many blessings. We thank God for this evening to please the Lord. Amen. Okay, tonight we would, there's a typo that came up in the announcement. We'll correct it. And uh, so we'll modify our theme for tonight, which we take from James chapter 1, verse 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It, I think the announcement said the righteousness of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So just simply you can write for the theme, the wrath of man. Hallelujah. The wrath of man. It's from James chapter 1 and verse 20. So tonight that's what we're going to be talking about. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the grace, Lord, to gather tonight and to hear your word, to understand you and to you conform to your image. We pray, O oh God, that you grant us grace, not only to hear, but to, Lord, perceive and to operate in it, and let it manifest all the days of our lives, and let it bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. The wrath of man, and then also on that side is the righteousness of God. One of the biggest challenges that many people have when they get born again, and we all still seem to have, is to see the ideal Christ in people. I'm very sure that if you are like you've been in a fellowship or scripture union or place like a group like that, sometimes oh this SU president or this other person who is in a fellowship, people are doubting him or her because the way they are in the fellowship, when they look at the way they operate in the dormitory, it's like they, they, are, they are confused. Hallelujah. We have all seen that before, where it's difficult to see the manifestation of the righteousness of God that we know about. When we say God is righteous, we know that God is patient. We know He's loving, He's caring. We know that He doesn't quarrel. Hallelujah. We also know that He's temperate. He's, he's enduring. So when we see a certain behavior which is not like the lifestyle of God, it's difficult for us to compare. Hallelujah. And one of the things that when we see makes us wonder if God is present in a person or not is this thing we call wrath. Wrath simply means some kind of uncontrolled anger. It's uncontrolled. You see, there in life, everybody, every human being, sees and hears things that should make him angry one way or the other. Hallelujah. There is something called righteous anger. For example, if you, in this nation, tomorrow you woke up 
and they said that, oh, they are past the law. Everybody can um, do any lewd action. You know, do any, behave, dress any, you know, be naked, do all things, everything, everybody's. You, if you being a Christian, I'm very sure that your first reaction is that, who gave that mandate? You'll be angry. Even things, when we hear about things happening in other countries, or like what we heard a few days ago in America. I'm very sure many of us were angry in Las Vegas. You were sad. But you're also angry. Why, who allowed this person to have a gun to kill so many people like that and walk out and then kill himself? Or whatever. Or they suggest the police kill him also. You, you sometimes wish that the guy was alive so that he also goes through the torture that he has been. So there is some legitimacy in anger sometimes. Hallelujah. But when it's wrath, it's uncontrolled. And it's, no, it's got no real basis in the sight of God. Hallelujah. And the scripture says, the scripture we read in James 1 verse 20 says, The wrath of man does not promote the righteousness of God. You can read the um, Amplified. I prefer the Amplified. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God or wishes and requests of God. Hallelujah. It doesn't make people see God manifest. But you know that sometimes in our everyday lives, sometimes we can say that, oh, the way he angered me, I have to say something to him. How many of us have said that before? I had to prove to him or her that me too, I'm not weak. I'm not a fool. Because he's trying to take advantage. And the way, you, it's not the fact that you are saying something to him or her, but it's what you say and the impact of what you say or do that we are dealing with. That is what will show if it's wrong. The anger, that's what the scripture says in Ephesians, be angry, but do not sin. See, so anger, it's, it, it comes, it's reactionary. So not all anger necessarily is wrath. Because sometimes, if you, are, you haven't done anything, and somebody just comes to slap you, bah, the first thing you do is what? You'll be angry. But when you take a hammer and go to that person's car's windscreen, and when you see this is the person, he's run away, they, bah, 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 you break it. That is wrath. You move from anger to wrath. Because even though the person has done wrong, it doesn't allow you, the biblical law and the law of the state doesn't allow you to also take the law into your hands and do what you like. So many times, under the guise of, I want to blow my feelings, I want to do something to show a point. And sometimes when we are, there's wrath. If I say, oh, you've manifested wrath, you won't agree. But one way of showing if you are, there's wrath. It's when you start cursing. How many of us have cursed before? Okay, you won't curse with your mouth, but you curse in your heart. Another way of showing that there's wrath is evil wish. When somebody does something to you, and you just can't wait for God to, God don't punish him now. You say it in your heart that God don't punish, you, you, you don't say it to the person. But it's like when something bad happens to that person, you feel vindicated. How many of us have felt that way before? 
Say, oh, this one is because of my prayers. It's because of what he did to me or she did to me. God is proving that I am a child of God. I'm very special. Whether they are Christians or not, we will know whose God is the Lord Jehovah. Somebody who says the God of justice and of righteousness. He will fight for me. So usually when we are engaged in a battle, the tendency is to wish evil for whoever we think has wronged us. And this is what the scripture is talking about. That in that state, that feeling you have, no matter how you polish it, that is not the way to prove God's righteousness in your life. Hallelujah. God doesn't use vengeance to prove His righteousness in our lives. But there are other ways, and I will come to that shortly. So tonight, we are dealing with the book of James, which is a very, very important book of the Bible. It has only five chapters, but let me tell you that if you talk about the, probably the most practical book of the Bible, maybe with the exception of Proverbs in the Old Testament, the book of James, when it comes to practicality, the practicality of our faith. If you want to translate from the words of the Bible, the rhetoric and the, the statements in the Bible, to real action faith, the faith in Christ, there is no book that you can get that best or better than the book of James. Hallelujah. Because when you go to James, it is James who tells us that faith is good. Verse chapter 2, verse 17. But without works, faith is not faith. Now that faith he was talking about, was talking about mainly the faith in Christ. We can talk about that we believe God. We have assurance. We are the Christians. The book of James was written Generally accepted, I was written by James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. The biological brother, the son of Mary and Joseph. Hallelujah. That's what people say. It's like, it looks like that. Because the Bible talks about many James, but if you look at the description, I don't want to go into all of that. But you find that from the verse 1 of the chapter 1, James is described... Or he describes himself as the servant of Jesus Christ. Which tells you the practicality of the relationship that he saw that he had with the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the introduction in itself tells you that this is a very humble person. He is not somebody who is trying to be so familiar. Praise the Lord. He didn't take it for granted that, oh, you guys know that. Me, we all come from the same root and you understand. He didn't take it that way. He says, James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, we believe that he was writing to Christians who were mainly Jews, who had been scattered in different parts of Asia Minor at the time, and Europe at the time, because you know that there was persecution in the time of Stephen, Saul, and all of that coming into the scene and all of that. So these believers had gone to settle among the other um, uh, um, tribes, other nations. And he being one of the elders of the church, we know in Jerusalem uh, conference in Acts 15, he was the one who concluded the meeting. And so now, 
after a few years, in fact, he has to write to these brethren. Why was he writing to these brethren? Because different perceptions, people were now, just like today, people were giving different interpretations of what it would take to live the life of faith and righteousness in Christ. Hallelujah. When we were in secondary school, like from one day, those days, you remember those of us who are a bit older, people, we, we used, for example, the size of the bars, trousers, if you, those days, when Oxford bars came, the Christians, the SU people wore tunabu. Tunabu is small mouth. The small trousers that has a small mouth. It will be small like that. And that was supposed to be the sign of righteousness. Hallelujah. So that if you were wearing that, everybody knew that you are not trendy. And the girls also, in those days, they, you know, people were doing other styles. And then Afro and all of those things. And the girls were downcut. Then the other, yes, by the time we finished from five, the fashion changed. When we were in form five, it was two nabu and long, the, 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 the tunic white shirt, which was flowing at the back. That was the fashionable one. And then, but when we were in form one, bowler shirts were not fashionable. So the Christians were wearing bowler shirts. And the, 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 the guys were wearing slim fit. But when we got to form five, it was the seniors, the, the Christians who were wearing the slim fit. And then the unbelievers were manifesting, the, the believers were manifesting their, their faith by wearing slim fit. And then the unbelievers were wearing the bowler, this tunic, dinner shirts. You come to form five and you, you, want, you want to look like a guy. You throw it, instead of tucking it in, you want to, you know, you have the style of walking and that will show that you are really a guy. And the Christians had their own way of walking. If you walk, zim, 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 means you are a good Christian. You walk in the righteousness. Hallelujah. That was the culture. That was a wrong notion of manifesting the righteousness. And if you look in the Bible, you see other notions which were also not really the way. Now, James is setting out to teach the churches which were scattered that, look, this is not the way Christian manifests the righteousness of God. So, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter up to 5, he really takes time. Chapter 1 is a summary of all the book. But before I go there, I want to just touch briefly on the, the wrong interpretations of manifesting the righteousness of God. Amen. So when you go to Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 22, you see one sign of the wrong interpretation. It says, verse 9 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh should be justified in his sight. Amen. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It says, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all, and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Now, get this, especially verse 21 and 22. It is, a person can manifest righteousness or do good deeds 
But if it is not by faith in Jesus, it is something else. It is legalism. That is why people practice other religions. Sometimes somebody can be a monk or some spiritual guru of some movement and be good, very, very nice. And sometimes people can say, even the unbelievers, they are better than the Christians. That's legalism. He's only following some laws, rigid laws within his tradition. Sometimes you see a fetish priest or you see somebody who doesn't subscribe to faith in Jesus. Seemingly walking the things of, he talks nicely, he seems to behave nicely, he seems to be giving uh, salaka, giving away gifts, and, and, and nice and very generous, very, very warm, very good. And sometimes even Christian women, uh, Christian brethren, are misled into marrying such people, thinking that oh, they are all the same. It's not the same. The scripture we read says that by faith, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and all who believe. Hallelujah. So the underlining source of that righteousness must be faith in Jesus. Anything else becomes legalism. Anything else you do is legalism. It's, it's, you are just made rules. Okay, I'll pray at this time, and I'll do at this time, this time, I'll read about, and I'll do this, and I'll give this, and every, you can follow. In fact, some people, even today in the faith, the tithing that we tithe, some people can do it out of legalism. And that is not manifesting the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You can, because when you are tithing, or you are giving an offering, and you are giving it grudgingly, it's legalism. If you are giving because the pastor or the office will check, and when you are going to marry, they will say, oh, we checked you out, and we found out that this brother or this sister, she doesn't pay tithe regularly. Then the office, so to avoid that, when you are about to name your child, you have to make sure that at least three or four months before your, 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 your naming comes, you've made your books clean. Even if it's 20, 20, 20, you pay, it's still, still every month you paid. Nobody can question how much. When in reality, God gave you 500, instead of paying 50 or 200, uh, 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 5,000. Instead of paying 500, you pay 20, 20, 20 because, okay, I've spread it. It's all the same thing. But look, God looks at your heart and tells them, no, you didn't do it right. Because you didn't do it in the faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And once we don't do it in the faith, it's legalism. Sometimes, people have believed, tried to Manifest the righteousness of God through their own righteousness. Isaiah talks about it in 64 verse 6. And the scripture says, our righteousness is like filthy rags. So apart from legalism, which is a misrepresentation of the, of the, 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 the manifestation of righteousness of God, another thing that people sometimes misconstrue and try to duplicate for God's righteousness in our lives is, is self-righteousness, our own. You determining. This one is not like, legalism usually is a law from a third party, an outside party, which is superimposed on the way, your way of life. But with self-righteousness, you have determined. You have said that, look, for example, me, I don't go, some people say, oh, me, I don't go to churches that they, I'm, I'm older than. Have you heard that before? It's self-righteousness. Okay? Or me, Okay, you people say that you should tithe. That's for me. I don't accept this thing. I have my own way of doing tithe. 
I give it to charity. I give it to the That's your own. You have determined your own right. You are not looking into a perfect law of liberty to determine how it should be. The thing is, you are not, anything you are doing, you are not basing it on what God has said or you know the scripture to be saying. You have sat down and that's what I mean. My, my word is my bond. This, you are not even led by your, the spirit of God. In your relationship with people, when something goes wrong and somebody says, oh please, brother or sister, have mercy on this or this. No, 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 no. Me, my word is my bond. And it's as if you won't get to a point where you too will need to plead for somebody's mercy. Hallelujah. So that becomes self-righteousness. When you, 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 have, you become overly saturated, it's good. We all need to live a life of principle. I don't disagree. But we must be, you see the scripture says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. A child of God, much as we all admire people that are principled and, you know, correct and orderly and everything, we shouldn't be overly obsessed with that. It is the Spirit of God that leads us. So God can change your, 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 the, the way you do your routine. And sometimes anybody who is overly sensitive, where you cannot be flexible in the house of God, then we have a problem. Then it becomes, you become self-righteous. Because you are determined your own way of pleasing God. Are you with me? Now, even sometimes, when somebody else, or, or, uh, they're, they're like the, 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 the Good Samaritan story, when the Lord is bringing a need across, say, no, no, me, I budgeted this. I've said not one person will pass at the end of my month. Me and you, let's agree. I've said it. So this one is not in my budget. Even when the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, this one, have compassion. This one, do it this other way for just this moment and see what God will do. No, 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 no. We mustn't be so, that's why Ecclesiastes 7, open to Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16 and 17. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let's read it together. Do not, oh, let's read it boldly. Seventeen. Having opened my shito, having opened my 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 my, my what do you call it? Uh, milu. That is the, the, the second part. That's what it's talking about. You are you are you and your friends are there. You, something small you can do to save it. Uh, somebody's hungry. So this one no. Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Sometimes we can be extremely so much that even if somebody, some need has to be met, we can say, no, 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 no. And I'm saying that that is a false form of righteousness of God. Hallelujah. I want to bring the picture. I like teaching from the negative to the positive. Amen. So that we can remove the negatives of what it means to manifest the righteousness of God. Then you can now focus on what God is saying by, through James. Amen. So the scripture says that, do not be, verse 16, say, do not be overly, verse 16, overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? We, we all like rules. We all like to follow. But, Let's allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. 
Say amen. Let's be flexible in his hands. And sometimes, especially when it comes to areas, some practical areas that James talked about, generosity. Sometimes certain things that we are used or, or, or even when people are irritating us and we need to show them where power lies. All of these things. If we don't understand these basic ways of God looking at things, we can get it wrong. Say amen. And in our present dispensation, one other dangerous pattern for determining righteousness is liberalism. You know, people teach about righteousness in such a way like, oh, just quote, if, 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 if you sin, don't confess your sin, don't repent. Because Christ has died for us all forever. And so just live because grace is there. It's a dangerous doctrine. Hallelujah. The scripture, even James tells us in this chapter 5, when you get to the end, that he says, confess your false one to the other, that you might be healed. So if anybody tells you that, oh, Jesus died once, and so we don't confess when you come to Christ once, that's all. No. Don't repent again. No. I know, when you read 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, tells you, 31 tells you that in Christ you have been made the righteousness of God. Yes. I'll confess that. But that doesn't take care of my repentance for sin. That doesn't take care of the conviction of the Holy Spirit if you do something wrong. It's a delusion. It's a mistake. So, the manifestation of the righteousness of God isn't just by confession. Isn't just by saying that, oh, I am born of God and I'm of the righteousness of God. So, no. It's not so. That's why Paul said to the Romans that should we continue to sin because grace abounds? Libra, where people feel so free. We shouldn't get to the point where, oh, we, oh, we, we are already walking righteous. God has made us righteous by that. Yes, He has. But there is also an operational righteousness, which is called the fruit of righteousness, which is bearing fruit after righteousness. So, yes, there is an in, a imputed righteousness, which comes through Christ by the death of Christ. But that imputed righteousness must translate into an operational righteousness. Amen. So if a child of God says, oh, um, as for me, God, as for us, we, we don't confess sins to God. But we just live. That's liberalism. That's what the Nicolaitans were teaching in the, old, in, the, in, the, in the time of the epistles. If you read the book of uh, Revelation, Two churches also were told that avoid the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. They call them libertines. Freedom is our goal. You can do anything, but you are still a child of God. God will not do anything. God will not judge you. Once you are a child of God, you are born again, the blood has taken care, you can live as you live. No. That is a misrepresentation of the manifestation of God's righteousness. Say amen. So let's go back to James chapter 1. I want to run through a few things there. So James is dealing with our faith as Christians and the practicality of our faith as Christians. And he's saying that the sum total of our faith as Christians is how our faith will manifest the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. In the midst of the... He admits that Christianity is not an easy route. So he shows us some of the difficult terrain that the, the new the faith that we have found takes us through. Number one, 
He takes us through the, the, the terrain of endurance. In verse 2. What does he say? He says, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. So, coming to the faith in Christ, does, he doesn't give us our, our, a, a light view of the walk in Christ. Or the walk in, in, in the faith in Christ. He makes you and I understand that there will be a time that we will all have trials. You see, it's when that you see the word when. When means it's of certainty. It's a matter of time, as a friend said some time ago. It's a matter of when. If it says if, it's conditional. But when means that as you are moving, you are going to get there. If you haven't reached there, you will get there. Hallelujah. Like Paul said, after the manner of beasts, I fought with Ephesus. After the manner of men, I fought with beasts in Ephesus. If he tells you that, you too, when you get to the stage where you fight beasts, it means that every child of God, you get to a place where you fight some kind of beast. Get ready if you haven't met any beast. There are some human beasts, there are some spiritual beasts, there are some circumstantial beasts around all of us, whether you like it or not. Because, you see, what is a beast? A beast is any strange animal or thing that comes at you in a way that I mean, it comes to, to, to destroy you, like a lion, anything like that. They, they, don't, they, don't they don't come to befriend you. They want to have you for breakfast. Witches are beasts. Wizards are beasts. Hallelujah. Circumstances, certain trials that you go, we all go through, they are form of beasts. So whether you like, it says, count it all joy. When you fall, when you get, so when you fall, everybody will fall into one trial or the other. But when you get into the trial, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't, don't curse God. But the antidote is that, it says, rejoice. When you go through that, the first thing you should, we should remember is that, Count it all joy. Especially when you know that you have done nothing, a trial to deserve that. Hallelujah. That's what he's laying aside for us. That this faith journey that we are on, the first, one of the first things we all have to bear in mind that it's not always going to be rosy. There is a time for the rosy part. Because when you get to chapter 5, when he says, is any afflicted, let him pray. Is anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him lay hands on them. And then all of that. So that is the part of the solution. But there is a beginning where he wants you and I to understand that this faith that we have run from Judaism into is not as smooth as we thought. But still, we can rejoice. Hallelujah. So he goes on to talk. So the first thing he sets clear for us in chapter 1 is that it's a, it's a, it's a journey of endurance and also assures us that nothing is too much for us. In chapter 1, verse 2, and then you look at verse 12, I think there is something there on that as well. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive when, 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 when. It's, it's not conditional. Hallelujah. It just goes on like that. He's approved. He will receive 
the crown of life which the Lord has promised. Amen. Overcome temptation. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Then, but each one is tempted. Now, James, by revelation, gets what really happens behind the scenes when we are tempted. Years ago, there was a drama by the New Creation. The, drama, the musical group that came out of Joyful Way. And they had a drama called See How They Ran. And in that drama, they showed how Christians are influenced in our behavior by demonic powers. You know, like something like anger manifestations or deciding to steal or do something immoral and all of that. They, they, they demonstrated it. And I think over here, once or twice, some of our young people have tried to show it. So James had a revelation of what it takes. That it's not as if all our temptations just happen. I remember years ago, a friend of mine who was a musician and he was singing at the old Legon Gardens and he just fell under the unction and he, he said in Ghana, Charlie, Anyemi, Inle Noniba, Minla no, Holy Ghost, and Mommy, they can bless him. Inle Noniba. No, temptation is not like that. In English, I don't know what happened. I was just singing and the Holy Ghost just lifted me once. No, no, temptation isn't like that. James got a revelation of temptation. That every temptation, there is a process. And he explains the process. And what he said is in sync with what Paul said also in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 13, when he says that the old temptation comes to you which is not common to remember, God provides for every temptation a way of escape. So, if there, he, he, even though it may take 30 seconds, it may take a minute, there is still a process. Hallelujah. And it's very important because many of us have taught and believed ourselves that, I don't know what happened. I was, this thing over, it just came. And the, the, the issue here is that he doesn't distinguish between types of sin. We'll get there. Many of us think that it's only sexual sin that there is warning. Even emotional sin like anger and all of these other things, the same scriptures apply. He didn't define that, oh, the temptation that pertain to fighting is different from the temptation that pertain to lust. No. So in every temptation, he's saying that, no, this is how it happens. There is a desire and the desire is contemplated on, and then there is this, and then there's a, 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 a proposal, like a, lawyers doing a deal. There is an offer, there is an acceptance, there is a consideration, then there is an agreement, there is a deal. You, co- you close the deal, then you carry your, your, your asset away. That's how it is. So the same way with temptation, that's how it is. Something is offered, something is given back, something is put together, and then a seal, signed seal delivered. Then we have a deal. Before it's executed. Amen. That's the second thing. Then he goes on to verse 19 and 20. Where he's talking about. So then. That means that preceding all the things. Talking about gifts and all of this. That that God gives us freely. So then my beloved brethren. 
Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Why is this two st- are these two statements necessary? You will see that even in chapter 3, he lays emphasis on it again. From verse 16 to, 7, to 18 there about. Chapter 3. Go to chapter 3, James. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Earlier verses talk about this anger and all of that. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So you're talking about the righteousness of God. It's first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now listen to this. This divine wisdom for you and I to overcome what we are talking about in chapter 1 must precede, must be embedded in your, your, our DNA, our insight. If these things he's talking about, the purity, the peaceableness, the gentility, the willingness to yield, the Holy, you, you don't allow the Holy Spirit to imprint it in your spirit. When the, 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 the verse 20 comes, the wrath comes, you will say that you have expressed your wrath Thinking that you are manifesting the righteousness of God. You manifest either through talking back, speaking badly, or maybe reacting in a way through denial, through man, uh, 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 throwing tantrums, through maybe uh, third party, what we call triangulation, which is like something concerns you and brother A or sister A and B, and then a, a D gets to be told just as a way of expressing uh, your, your venting out your, your dissatisfaction so that you win sympathy or you win support. That is strangulation. It's a way of, it's a manifestation of wrath or anger. Hallelujah. And to avoid that, if you want to avoid things like strangulation and, and, and lamentation and not breaking down, then it, th- this Wisdom from above must be in the spirit. If this wisdom from above is not in the spirit, the likelihood to do things that manifest wrath and presume, James was dealing with the problem that people, the the relationships among the brethren were suffering because people didn't understand this. Hallelujah. And he's saying that, no, I'm summarizing all that the journey about in Christ is all about. But when I finish now chapter 2, he begins to break down the specific... All the things he said in chapter 1 are in chapter 2. They are in chapter 3, in chapter 4. And they are broken down one by one. When he talked about partiality, all of those things there. Uh, that when uh, uh, somebody who is rich comes, they give him a prominent place. All of those things are broken down into more detail. When you, this uh, anger and this wrath thing is dealt with in chapter 1, where we are talking about, you go to chapter 3, you see it there. And all the other things, anxiety is dealt with here. Trials is dealt with. Self-control is dealt with. When you go to chap- the, 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 the control of the tongue, verse 26. The same chapter 1. So if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but de- deceives his own heart, this 
one's religion is useless. Now you go further, you will see it over there. Chapter 3. Then he breaks it down into the real, practically, how do you bridle your tongue? The, 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 and the importance of bridling of the tongue. Hallelujah. So you, and then when he goes to charity, chapter, verse 27, the same way he talks about how we can show charity. Because he says somewhere that, oh, in chapter 2, he says, if you say you, are, you, 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 you have love and your brother or your sister has a need, how come you are not able to help him or her? So the practicality of this, chapter, this book is very real. Amen. And I think that we shouldn't look at it only from the chapter 1 or those verses that are mentioned, but even read the whole book, then you see the picture that he's painting. Amen. So back to our subject. James is bringing us to the point that, look, we can't say we are Christians and define the way we manifest Christ and our faith in Christ our own way. But there are parameters and spiritual indicators. Just as we can't say we have become a middle-income nation as a country when so many things, the indicators are all wrong. For example, the number of people who should be in school is low. Or the number of people who should have free, uh, health, the ratio of doctors to uh, 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 the number of the population, we are below a certain percentage. We can, we are, so many things. The third roads to the ratio of the population. All of these things are indicators that show if a country is developed or is not developed. So, James is helping us because he knows that it's a very difficult assignment for many Christians. Because if we are to use our own marking scheme, we all be saying we are correct before God. What we do, when we, when we are angry, we are correct. When we, are, we allow uh, trials to have the better part of us, we say we are correct. We will always pass. But he says, no. Look into the perfect law of liberty and see how we all measure up. And help ask God for grace to help us. Say amen. So we are the first, but the first thing he does is define that, look, one important thing that can disturb you and I about our manifestation of God's righteousness is that thing we call wrath or anger. It can destroy. The chapter 3, we just read the first short time ago. See that verse 16 says, It wrath can lead to every evil work. For where envy, go to verse uh, four, uh, 15, please. Go to 15. Okay. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. He's talking about, let me, let me read it myself from there so that it's easier for me. He's talking about a certain kind of says, who is, verse 13, who is a wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. So he's looking at temperaments. He's looking at the way people use their temper and react to situations. And yet still believe that those reactions are godly. Just because they are born again. Just because they are within the community of believers. And he said, no. 
that a person who is born again can claim to be born again. But this wisdom, where you are trying to be always Miss, uh, Miss Smarty or Mr. Smarty, trying to, you know, not being straightforward or being uh, crooked or being angry or being uh, litigant and being always being a source of friction, it cannot be correct. And he's telling the believers, telling us, that if I say that I am I'm led by the Spirit, I'm led by God, or you say you are led by God, and you say God has given me that wisdom to react, that thing I did in reaction to that brother's behavior or that sister's behavior is because oh, I believe in the Lord, that's how I felt. I'm okay. I can't, Paul James is saying, we can't accept that standard. But there is a way of measuring if that standard of behavior is correct or not. And he's beginning to show us through verse uh, uh, 15 down, especially verse 17, how you know if that standard of behavior, when you were under pressure, you say, oh, but I was under pressure, nobody stood to me, and the way it was, uh, this was the only thing I could do. No, 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 no. James said, no, no, no. Brother or sister, much as you, you may logically seem to make sense, the truth of the matter is that that's not the way. In the newness of the faith, that should manifest the righteousness of God. Say amen. So he shows us the way. See, but, when you say but, it means that contrary verse, those things we were manifesting, the envy, this, that, all the negative, were not the way of God. So now, this way of God, if it was really from God, that behavior that we manifest, if it's really from God, it should have made us feel, it should have led us to a point of purity. Honesty. When we say purity, we're talking about honest sincerity. In other words, what I am saying or what I am doing, if they did it to me or I did it to this person, will I be happy? Or that's how you examine purity. Or what is the motive? What is the, what is the driving force behind what I am doing? Or what I am thinking? How I am assessing this situation? That is purity. That when we sit down and think, it's not only that, oh, you are having fornicated, so you are pure. No, no, no. That's one. But purity is referring to the sincerity of the situation, of, your, of our heart, relating to the situation. Amen. So it says, the wisdom, if you are acting in wisdom, some of us, when we say we are acting in wisdom, it's all trying to skew in, schemers. Scheming and, you know, dribbling people, Maradona. So once you dribble, it's okay. No, don't dribble. Prove that the thing is sincere by, says, by purity. Then, peaceable. You see, sometimes we can, our case can be good, but the approach may not be peaceable. Hallelujah. You can have a good case, but James says, no. For you, when, and he's talking about, try, when you go, he's talking about this within the context of an um, unfamiliar territory. When he says, Count it all joy. When you go through diverse times of the, 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 uh, kinds of temptation or trials, the assumption is that the atmosphere is very hostile. We are not working on the premise of an acceptable atmosphere or workable or some convenience. No. That he is very much aware that the believers, Jews, who were Christians in other cities were living in a very hostile, difficult environment. And yet he says, within that context, you don't have an excuse to change your faith in Christ. Hallelujah. And within that context, he says, you must be peaceable. He says, gentle. Willing to yield. That's one of the things we challenge, we get challenged over. 
Because this time we are in a, a generation that everybody can rationalize. Everybody can argue. It's your viewpoint. It's not, you see, this one, this one, you see, we all have different opinions. Your point of view depends on your viewpoint. It's just that we all, okay, you let's agree to disagree. We all, we all, you know. So it's very difficult to get people, even your own child, that by the grace of God you have given birth to. It's not easy. As soon as they clock 12, they start, Mommy, why am I, should I wear green instead of blue? They are not willing to yield. We are in a generation that people are not willing to yield. This afternoon, I was invited to GTV for a discussion, a live program. And we were talking about growing up young men to become um, men in the church. And it was like, at the point, I had two women on, I mean, on my side. And initially, it was like, the pastors have failed. And all that. I said, okay, yes, it's true. Past- churches have to do a lot more. But the truth of the matter is that the, the, the issues that raising young men are faced with today is more than church. <laughs> because the people, they, you, they are listening to the pastor, but they are listening more to the internet and their friends and the WhatsApp forward messages. More than the pastor. That thing is more important. That's more gospel than the Bible. So even though you may be a pastor, you do your, you try, church will try. You can put a strike. Look, the other Sunday, I had to meet the young adults. Getting even their own peers, getting them to meet has been a struggle. Because that's the generation in which we... So it, James recognizes these challenges. He said that notwithstanding this, gentle, willing to yield. In a generation where people are being trained that not yielding is fun, is great. Be your own man, be your own woman, be your own self. That is the new culture. Since the hippie days of the 60s, the Beatles, it's been, be, express yourself. I was reading on BBC. A few days ago, I t- like to read the, 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 the feature stories on BBC website. And I read to my surprise that in some Scandinavian countries, it's normal for people and their bosses to be naked in the sauna together. It's not unusual. It's normal. Like you go to the sauna, every, you and your boss, and many people, company, many companies have sauna in their offices, and they go and just all, they are there. They are all feeling free. <laughs> so if you go to Sweden or one of those countries, Finland, and those Scandinavian countries, they don't find anything. So in a generation where people are being taught this, feel free. Don't, and you are, we are saying, be willing to yield. It's a contrary tradition. Amen. So, beloved, when there's wrath, people are not willing to yield. People resort to violence, evil speaking, Evil reaction. People want a third party to come in and justify their case. When there is wrath, people resort to unorthodox methods. There is all kinds. I don't want to go into all the things that effect of the wrath. Let's deal with the wrath and the righteousness of God. Amen. So then, what produces the righteousness of God in a believer? 
Let's look at Romans 14, verse 17. We have seen that the wrath of a man, a man's anger can never produce God's righteousness. So no matter how we try to justify it, as for me, I don't tell you, I mean, no, no, all those arguments, let's put them aside. As for me, that's, that, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cool guy, but when you bring this side to my side, when you, you bring the issues about tribalism on the, this thing, that's what hurts me. That, that one there, that's, that's for that one there. Ghanaian language. You can touch anything of my, but when it comes to my marriage, when you talk on my husband or my children, if you touch that one, I won't spare you. That's wrath. Hallelujah. And that kind of wrath will not help manifest the righteousness of God. So what will help us to manifest the righteousness of God? Amen. Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Which means that when it comes to walking in the righteousness of God, Without, you see, it says, in the operative environment, whilst we are going through the mail, whilst we are going through the oppression, whilst we are going through the trial, whilst we are going through the tribulation, whilst we are going through the temptation, just like Elijah, Elijah asked the Lord to open the servant's eye, and he saw that outside were the Assyrians. But within the circle of Elijah, Elisha was the, camp, the, the host of Israel from heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. They had an inner protection within a context. And this is where many of us miss it. That the presence, the active presence of the Holy Spirit is our sure guarantee for walking or manifesting the fruit of righteousness. Manifesting our faith. Hallelujah. If the Holy Spirit is not present in a believer's life, forget it. And when I say present, I'm not talking about if you can prophesy and speak in tongues. No. I'm talking about transformational presence. Where he's at work, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what the scripture says. And that transcends spiritual gifts. That transcends, that, that, that is dealing with character formation and Christ-likeness. Hallelujah. So the scripture says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. They, they, they were arguing about people using what people ate and what people drank to justify if they were more righteous than other people. And the apostle was explaining that, no, in the kingdom, that's not the main thing. Yes, people may, we may, we may indicate that, okay, drinking this or eating this is not ideal for the believer. But that should not be the driving thing. But it is whether the person is because empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life of peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. By the power of the Holy Ghost to manifest that. And this activation of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes through the renewal of mind that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's look at that quickly. Romans 12, 
What does it say? It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but this be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Amen. So when the Holy Spirit is at work, he helps you and I to be transformed. That within the, 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 the pressures of life, whether it is trial, it's tribulation, or the desire to do good, or whatever, it is, we are, there's a, there, there, it must come, it must develop as a, a result of a certain renewal which is inside. But going back to the Romans 14, the Paul begins by saying the kingdom. Now, it's important if we are to win this thing and to make manifest and not have fake representation of the righteousness of God or the manifestation of our faith, then we must understand kingdom. Because Paul says, the kingdom, for the kingdom of God is not... The, so the manifestation of the kingdom values is, is critical. I'll use a few things to illustrate. When we say kingdom... Basically, we are talking about a domain, an area, a scope, where we have a, 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 somebody in charge. We must understand that, like Paul said, we are not of our own. We are within a certain kingdom. The kingdom has basic guidelines or basic rules of engagement. One of the weak problems that we have in this, in this kingdom today is that a lot of people think that once I'm born again, I'm in the sweet by and by. We shall see it on that beautiful shore. So I'm born again. There's no rules of engagement in the kingdom. I'm not bound by it. Nobody can come. We are all born. You are born again. You are also full because you got born again 10 years ago. You are a leader. You got born again. So we are all in the kingdom. We will get there. It's not true. It's a delusion. Amen. The kingdom has a way of operation. And many people get born again. And today on the TV program, we're talking about that. We're talking about how people even become pastors and leaders in churches. A lot of people are involved in kingdom business without understanding kingdom rules of engagement. People are in the kingdom, but they don't understand that the kingdom has basics that Jesus even taught. He said the kingdom of God is like this. He gave pictures. He opened windows of how the kingdom looks like. We won't get a fault unless you take your time and the Holy Ghost expounds. But the more you understand the kingdom, the better you conform your lifestyle to the kingdom. Hallelujah. You know, there are many Ghanaians or Africans who live in Europe. They still eat fufu every day, every night, whether they close from work at 10 midnight, at 12 midnight, or 2 a.m. They still, they, all the people, they, they speak chi, they speak their local languages. They, they, have, they can't go to, uh, what do you call, the, the, the state department or the uh, 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 downtown in, uh, in, 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 in Surrey, West Croydon, to the, 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 the immigration house. They are afraid of police. They are still living like they are, in, they are in, back in Africa. They wear the same clothes. If you go to France, you see them there at the airport. You see all these Malians, many of them, the ladies, they don't know whatever is happening. They don't care about all this Harvey and all these things happening in America. And No, no, no. They are just living. You see them still, some of them, they are still, excuse me, say, chewing their goro. They do, they are working at the airport, in the, around the airport. They still, they wear their Maya feet. They do everything normal, like they were doing in Mali, Niger, Burkina. They are there. So there are many believers, even though they have been translated to Europe, 
heaven. Still, they call the culture. They, they, have, they are not willing to. They, they are still wearing. They, even in the winter, they are wearing their Maya feet. <laughs> in the winter, they are wearing Maya feet. You know Maya feet, the, the cloth that they married, the, the Amalia wear. is a Maya feet. To show that they are, they are married. Or to cover, to show that they are, they are women. They believe in Islamic faith. They are not willing to know that, look, I've, we have arrived. I'm not saying everybody should wear three-piece uh, tailcoats. No. But you, you, when you enter an environment, you must understand that there are, it's not in Africa that every two of the year, the, the sun is out. They, you must understand, spring, summer, autumn, winter. Even we here in Africa, we are taught that. But some people have traveled, they didn't know that there's spring, summer, autumn, winter. They don't understand. They don't understand. So it doesn't affect their diet. It doesn't affect their anything. They can't go anywhere. They are, they are, they are, they've been there 10 years, 15. Their best friends are still the people they went with. The Ghanaian community, they are at every funeral, they are at every occasion, they are there. The Nigerian community, they carry everything. I've seen, I've seen people with uh, all this fufu, all these things in their homes in Europe, in America. And yet they have machines and things to make. No, they refuse the culture. They will not be culturalized. They want to be Africanized there. Hallelujah. That is how it is. You are laughing. That's how many of us are in the kingdom. We are in the kingdom of God. But you see, the way we are as whatever. Whatever cultures we have. Those who eat fufu, apim, uh, banku, uh, Tuozafi, all the things. We are still living the same life. We are still the same. The way we do our things, the same. Only difference is that the plane has moved you. Because you bought a ticket. That's it. But when they are looking at uh, somebody to represent them in parliament or to speak for that country, you can't speak for that country. You are not. That's why many of us even can't do evangelism. Are you with me? That's why many of us can't do, don't like reaching out or follow up anything. Because, you see, we haven't imbibed the culture of the new kingdom. When you go to the country, now that's why all the Europeans and Americans they say, you must learn our language for Germany. If you don't have the, you can't be a citizen. If you don't learn the language, then you go back to your place. All of them are changing. English, English, English. Now they have to do history tests. This, this. You have to learn about the the, the Tudors and the, uh, all those things now. Queen Victoria, the history of England, how England and Scotland became separate. Queen Mary, this, that. All of them, you are going to have to force to learn. If you can't answer those questions, you are, you don't get the citizen. You can be resident there for a thousand years, because they have seen that people don't want to culturalize. They have to do something about it. It's just part of the way to block you. Now, even if you want to bring your child to Britain, they will ask you if you have 18,000 pounds or 20,000 pounds, something like that. For every dependent, 20,000 pounds, you can see it in your account. That will cut out all, it has cut out almost half the Africans. So now you can't easily go and join your, if you are, you are hoping that one day you join your cousin or your brother, please just work hard and let the Lord bless you. Because they have changed the laws. The rules of engagement have changed. The kingdom rules have changed. 
And yet we don't. We are the only people who don't understand this thing. And it's the same for the change to manifest the culture of the new kingdom. So the kingdom is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We are talking about the righteousness. That cannot happen if you don't understand that you are in the new kingdom. If you don't understand that you are a pilgrim in this present physical kingdom. Hallelujah. When you understand that one, we are pilgrims. What does it do to you when you know you are a pilgrim? It suppresses covetousness. It suppresses greed. It suppresses a feeling of anything you lose here, you don't feel it. Because you know you don't have much value. It's of insignificant value. Second Corinthians 4, 16 talks about that. 17 talks about that. See? So when we weigh the things that we have here against the things that we will get, you see, of no value. So, you, you, you don't allow your heart. You see, we are talking about anger, quarreling, wrath, and all. The reason why people, why are people often angry? They feel cheated. Cheated about what? He took my land. He took my car. He, he, he didn't give me promotion. He spoke to me. All of those things are, are things that when you, your value for them goes low. You say, oh, this thing that he took Christ, nothing. Because in your kingdom mentality, the land or whatever he or she th- thinks they're taking from you, is not of significance. If they took your promotion, that promotion, promotion, because you are kingdom-minded, you say promotion comes not from the east nor west, but it comes from the Lord. So your, 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 your obsession with the promotion that men give is insignificant. You diminish it. The reason why many of us become obsessed, he's cheated me, she's cheated me, I don't want, I'm not a fool. Because we are mainly of a different kingdom mind. We are earthly minded. When you become a pilgrim as a first principle of the kingdom, that you are just a transit person on this kingdom, anything that is this kingdom oriented, you don't get so obsessed. That's why Jesus said we should pray in Luke 21 verse 34. Let our heart be overcharged so fight not the curse of this world. Because, see, when, it's a kingdom thing. When you understand it, it makes you, much as it can be nice, if you get the protocol of the benefit of whatever, it can be nice in the eyes of men and yourself, and it gives us all a little relief. The truth of the matter is that when your heart is not into it, when it's even taken, you don't feel it. But when your weight is all on it and it's all on you, then it becomes an issue. Hallelujah. May God give us a heart that we understand that we are pilgrims. That's the first revelation you need to catch. If you are to be able to operate the kingdom, the, 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 the righteousness of God, that is manifesting our faith in the way James is speaking about it. First, let us deal with this thing. Are we kingdom-minded? If you become a pilgrim-minded kingdom, a person, you are almost there. Number two, within the kingdom, we have to understand that we are family. Say amen. One of the reasons that makes challenges many of us not to be able to manifest this righteousness that James is speaking about. You know, this righteousness is talking, he's talking about the, the, how we deal with envy, how we deal with uh, 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 trials, tribulation, all of those things. How does a person overcome when he realizes that, oh, we, this person, he, 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 you, you understand, this person doesn't mean harm. Maybe he's made a mistake. 
Maybe she, she got it all wrong. Maybe she understood. Maybe when it's like that, we make excuse for each other. And that gives us room. And you also realize, oh, I could also step on my brother or my sister's toe. So it doesn't take, you don't take things too far. And you, you also acknowledge within the family principle of the kingdom, you understand that we are all on a journey together. I can't miss. So when a brother or a sister even seem to offend you, 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 are, you, 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 you go into the revelation of James in chapter 3, when he says, full of mercy. You have mercy, you have compassion. You have that. Oh, oh, this will not allow my brother and I to separate in the kingdom. We must all make it. So whatever I can do to sacrifice for him or her, for my spouse, your, you and your husband or your wife are in the church, you cannot quarrel. You cannot be, you can, you, because you want the person, you love him or her so much, you want them to make it. But when it's like, oh, okay, me, I'm going. Or she, she's going, I don't mind, I don't even want to live in the eternal kingdom with him or her. Then we are comfortable. I hope you understand that, look, we are family. And we are family on the journey. When the people of Israel were traveling, if you study the patterns, they got to the, the book of Numbers. Moses was asked to check out the people. Counted tribe by tribe. These were, they were families. And the head of the, and he, said, and he talks about uh, Caleb and the, the head of the tribe of Judah. And all of that. They were, they were family. And they understood re- relationships and hierarchy. The reason why there is so much disorder, disrespect in the system, and people get offended, is because people don't understand that in the kingdom, much as we are family, there are fathers, there are mothers, there are brothers, there are sisters. And that places certain obligations on all of us in the way we relate to one another. If you see that, if you, the Holy Spirit could open your eyes to understand this kingdom-mindedness, that is what yields the righteousness. That will make you share your bread with somebody or your, your clothing with somebody easily without feeling it. Sharing your money with somebody not feeling it. It comes by understanding that we are family. So when even she owes you or he owes you and for some reason he or she hasn't paid, it doesn't become a big issue. At least you, once there is mutual respect, you are able to bear one another for long. Because it's not like that's the end of the world. And because you too, your heart or her heart is not saturated in that world. But because many times we think that this, is, this world is our home. <laughs> we are not passing through. We are staying here. This person is an alien to me. I don't have a, we are going, I'm going to the north. He's going, I'm from east. He's from west. We don't have anything in common. We are just meeting in church to pass the time. If that is the culture... You cannot, we cannot open up to each other. It's the understanding of the kingdom that as a family that helps us to really turn. That's what James is talking about. Amen. Fourth, third thing we need to understand about the kingdom is that the kingdom is an army. And Paul explained that in 2 Timothy 2. And the generals and others are here. Colonels are here. Army Number one symbol that we know army for is discipline. Or, no, be so correct. Discipline. That is one of the things that has been missing in the body for a very long time. We many of us don't understand that our kingdom, any kingdom that doesn't have a good army, is finished. You see, 
This Ivorian thing that we settled there, it was because they, they saw that though they are strong, they have more ammunition. Which we did when it comes to their tactics. Once our brother and others are there, they knew that when it came to tactics there, you know what I'm we don't, we have not have the same equipment, but we are, we, we day past day. Nowadays, please don't, don't be offended. Amen. <laughs> I'm just worrying you. But, but they knew it. They, both countries know. So, uh, in three, we say, warrior, so warrior. <laughs> Everybody was afraid of it. Because we didn't know, because the Ivory Coast have been through war. Truly, truly, we don't know their, their true state. And Ghana, even though we don't have, they get them off. So we have to be careful. Nobody wants. If imagine, you see, when Nigeria had an issue with Cameroon over Bakasi, they didn't waste time. Look how they pummeled Cameroon. They beat them until they had to beg the international court to come in. They wanted to take their place by force until the, the, the war was too much. When you are stronger than somebody, I'm very sure that if the case was, if you are Togolese, forgive me. If Ghana had this problem with Togo, like, oh, they wouldn't go to international arbitration. They would just go there. They, 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 come on. They would have gone. Hallelujah. And it all boils down to discipline. Army. If we have a potent army, it brings security. And the potency of the army depends on discipline. That is it. And in the church, it's no different. When people don't understand hierarchy, and even beginning with self-discipline, in areas of demarcation, scope of authority, scope of speaking, there are certain things, if you are a kingdom-minded person, you are under authority, the generals and the kingdom, the generals will tell you, there are certain things we don't say, we can't say. When we were, we were even in secondary school, they taught us through the discipline. The first thing they taught us, okay, money. 1975. said, obey before complain. School rule number one. That was the first rule. Obey before complain. And that built a sense of discipline in us. Amen. But in our kingdom, people think that, oh, we are all born again. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just got, got, you came to that church before I came. We are all born again. We are all going. It shouldn't be so. And when it's like that, nobody can help each other. Nobody can talk to anybody. And even if you talk and you talk, you don't talk proper, you are in trouble. So because people are not spoken to through counsel, rebuke, exhortation, and all the things that the scripture talks about, Second Corinthians 3.16, what do we have? A lot of people grow in the kingdom and they are unruly. Even though they may have age, longevity in the kingdom is does not equivalent to, to, to spiritual maturity. Longevity. Otherwise, those WOs who have been in the army for 36 years will be the, the, the CDS. It's not about that. General lie. It's not about that. There are people who have been in the army longer than because some of them, they are WOs, they have been there a long, long ago. They entered when they were like 18, they are still there. It's not about longevity. It is what you, the meal you have been through. The training at academy, before you pass, they call it off square. You don't stop. You run every day for all the time you are there. 
They give you food. They have time. Hot breakfast. You have to finish. You lay your bed dress. They have time. Everything. They have a way they dance. I've been practicing with some of the officers. They say, they, they, you have to hold your coat this way. The women, all of them. They have ways. And you can't go and say, oh, me, uh, and you hear me, the pa, you start dancing, I'm like that. Ah! You finish the academy. You finish the academy, kind of me, You finish. They will call your name. Daku, oh, hey, Daku, hey, hey, that's what I've been told. They said they'll be shouting when you run away, you break bounds. They all come and hoot around you all over. That discipline, W.O. doesn't go through that. That knowledge, the things they've, they've learned at Cranfield, Sanders, and things, you, W.O., you, nobody will take you on that course. Strategic thinking. So, but when you see, you see, when you see the general, it's not written on his body. So you can easily, you can see a W.O. who is more physically built. But the thing is not about physical being built physically. There are some things inside. And that is where we go wrong spiritually in the kingdom. Because sometimes we look at, that's why Paul said, for henceforth know we know man after the flesh. Why do many people go wrong and walk in unrighteousness in the kingdom? Because we look at people after the flesh. Oh, this person, oh, this person, he doesn't, there's nothing that shows on him. But there is something in him. And there's a certain authority of the state upon the person. Which you ought to recognize. But because we don't understand, we don't even know. So many of us, I'm very sure that if a kennel is standing here with these things, and the electoral kennel is standing, we won't even know the difference. Or a major, we say, oh, because soldier, somebody can be a major, because he's well built, and he looks very impressive, he can look like the more senior officer. Yeah, and you can be misled, because you don't know the kingdom rules. The way we are, as an army, you don't understand it. That's why you can talk about preachers, churches, pastors, leaders, anyhow. Because you don't understand the kingdom principles. And that's why we err. But if we could understand, it will help you to submit, to receive something. Amen. Say, oh, this one, uh, he shouldn't have said that, or she shouldn't have done that. Uh, you, you find it so easy. People can argue and sometimes, especially when they are on their own and making a case, before somebody that they think understands them. If you are not careful, you can be blessed. You can be blessed. Finally, we are a kingdom of priests. Every one of us must understand this thing. I can't go into all the details of the priesthood. See, it is when we lose the element, priesthood is about offering sacrifice. Why are we finding it hard to get people to labor in the church? Because people don't understand priestly ministry. Why do we have to have departments that we are struggling with? We want people who will be there. These people, how many should they be? Many. On paper, you see about 20 something. We have only five. Five. Or six. There are many roles that people need to play. But because you don't understand the priestly and the benefits of the priestly ministry and the significance of the priestly ministry. Beyond the issue of the priest cleansing himself and the priest's role to cleanse others, intercede for others, the fire at the altar not burning, 
All of these are priestly rules. And priestly rules go with priestly garments, priestly assignments, and all of that. Many people in the kingdom, they don't understand what we say the church is full of priests. They see only the clear, those who have been ordained. Everybody say, for we are a kingdom. Second Peter, first Peter 2, 9. God's own people, we are priestly. What? Go and find out from the Bible. When we say priest, what does a priest do? When you understand it, it will help you prepare yourself. So, there are certain things. The Bible said in, 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 in the Old Testament, is it Malachi? It says, the mouth of the priest, I think chapter 2, verse 7, must be full of knowledge. But since you finished field builders, how many new Bible books have you read? How can your mouth be full of knowledge? When, even when they say, oh, Sunday school, they say, next week you are the one to quote. You'll be informed. You won't come. When they say, we are going to have Sunday school week, and the teacher says, oh, you will represent our class, then you fight. Why didn't they choose that one? They choose me. You need to understand it. That is even a privilege. Oh, sister, would you like to pray for us? Sister, meet me. Sister, you need to say, I pray, I pray, I pray. No, if that's what she's going to do, I won't come to the meeting. If that's what, because you don't even see it as a privilege, as a priest. Prayer is part of the priest's duty and to enjoy it. But because many of us see it, hey, me to be praying, hey, me to lead worship. Please, please, please choose somebody else. And can you choose, please, please. And because of that, we never grow in the office. We never grow. And if you don't grow in, in you see, if you don't come before the Lord, let me end by saying this. You, the, the fruit of righteousness will not come. Because you see, the righteousness is received through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we go into his presence. When you are a priest, you go into the presence of the Lord more and more. And you are able to nourish and help, receive strength. You receive grace. But if you are not a priest, you, have no, you, don't, you don't go there. You, go, you, are, you are just benefiting. You are just a worshiper. You come. And it's sad. When people can be in church for six years, five years, seven years, ten years, and they are okay coming around and enjoying, they think it's okay. But you see, you are just help, not helping yourself. Sad. You think that, oh, I'm having my privacy. Me, I don't like to be disturbed. I want to enjoy myself. And all of that. It's a lack of understanding. I beg you. Humble yourself before God. You say, I want to be a true priest. Draw near. A priest draws near to the altar. You prepare before you come. You pray. You come. When you come, any assignment the Lord, I want to. The Lord wants you to burn incense. You burn incense. The Lord wants you to carry, carry, carry the bread. Carry the bread. Carry the dove. Carry the dove. Anything. You are when you are a priest, you are in the instruction of the Lord. But where this idea that oh me, I just came to enjoy my worship. I mean, I don't want to worry anybody. Nobody should worry me. You haven't understood your priestly ministry. May God help us so that through the understanding of the kingdom priestly ministry. You and I can show forth the righteousness of God. And when the righteousness of God is seen, the wrath will not manifest. All those things will be put behind the bars. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Take a minute and talk to God of how you, we all desire. I, want, I don't want to be just a Christian who hears the word and not. Said, Paul said, James said, don't be a hearer. And not a doer. He's taught us how to be doers. Not to be just hearers. He, he saw it. What we are seeing today in our lives. He saw it years ago. That many of us were just talking about things. Hearing things. Even sometimes talking about the things. But not doing it. 
May God give us the grace not to be hearers, not to be talkers, but to be doers. And he's taught us that the secret of it come before his presence. Understand the kingdom principle. How we ought to operate in the kingdom of God. When we understand it and the Holy Spirit empowers us, we will function well. May God help us. May God strengthen us. In the name of Jesus.